All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here November 20th, Tim. The cold chill has hit Traverse City. It's nice. It's brisk. A little frost on the ground this morning when I woke up. The chickens are nice and toasty warm in their coop. I bought them a little heater. The girls are happy. The chickens aren't going to freeze to death. Not producing eggs. Wife's not happy about that. I'm not happy about that. But all in all, everything's good. How are you? You had a nice weekend. Tim, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm up in Boston um, looking down on my laptop. I feel like I'm looking down on you right now if you're watching the video. But that's, that's pretty appropriate. Uh, Stop bullying me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so mean to you. Yeah, I had uh, my brother's um, son, my nephew, was baptized yesterday. So we had a little ceremony. It's a quick little trip. I got in Saturday night. The trains from the airport were a disaster. I could talk about that for 20 minutes, but I won't. But got home a little after midnight, and then uh, I leave tonight at 5. So quick trip, less than 48 hours, but I'll be back for Christmas. Nice. nice trip. Why a disaster? Just a lot of people? Um, there, there's, two, there's two lines that bring you from the airport to downtown. The Silver Line, which brings you right to South Station, and the blue line, which brings you also into downtown, but you have to like take multiple connectors to do it. So I always wait for the silver line, but it's less, it's just less frequent. So I waited like 25 minutes and it wasn't coming. So I, meanwhile, blue lines going by every two minutes. So the whole time I'm thinking if I had just gotten on that first one, I'd already be back in South Station by now. So I finally hop on the blue line. Um, just it was a mess. And then then the trains were going in the opposite directions because what was supposed to be the middle was actually the end of the line because it had a shutdown. So I thought I was going south, but I was going north, ended up in Cambridge when I was trying to go. It's just it was a disaster. My brother came and got me and it was fine. But um, but it was a nice trip. It was a nice trip heading back to the airport. My mom is very nervous about the airport Thanksgiving traffic, um, watching the news about how crowded Logan is. And I'm like, it'll be fine, mom. It'll be fine. So. That feels like a little bit of user error. It was it it was a little bit of both. Uh, a little bit of both. No. Yeah. No. Just trust me. It seems pretty clear that you just <laughs> seems like everybody else figured out what they were doing, and then you got impatient, jumped on the blue line. Well, the blue line was fine. You're going to Cambridge. And you, and you, it's the blue line shuttle to the blue line, and then they bring into the orange line, and you switch from the orange line one stop to the red line. And that's all fine. I was used to doing that. I used to work in the city every day. But there's, there was a shuttle that was going back and forth 
shutting down a section of the red line. So Park Street is normally our downtown crossing is normally like right in the middle of the red line. But because of that shuttle is actually the end of the line, even though the train said it was going south mm. and it says Braintree is the destination. It was shot me back north because mm. of the lockdowns, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it does weekend. It was good. I was in Chicago. Yeah. Did a little hockey game. It was nice. Did a little talk at a men's conference. It was good. Nice weekend. Got to see Connor Bedard again. It's always fun. I'm going uh, I'm going there again on Wednesday. I might try to get here's the thing. I'm going for a game Saturday or no, sorry. This this is a Wednesday Friday game. Toronto's playing Friday. Should I get media pass and go hang out with friend of the show Ryan Reeves before the game because he won't be playing. So he'll be bag skating. Do you think he would like me showing up at the rink after his bag skate and saying, hey, Rebo, what's going on? Undecided yet. I'm going to do, do that. Do you know that he's not playing? I mean, he hasn't been playing of late and Toronto's been winning. So I'm assuming that trend will continue. And Chicago has absolutely zero toughness at all. They had Jared Tenorti. He went down and they have nobody. Nobody at all who could fight, which isn't an issue with Connor Bedard. He's been getting roughed up. They're guys who are taking care of Bedard or Perry and Felino. Like, that's their toughness. And Felino's tough, but he's not like a heavyweight. And we'll get to a big, big, big time heavyweight fight in a second, Tim. The, the biggest heavyweight fight in the world. But first, we got to talk about our friends at Give Better. This episode, last episode, next episode is brought to you by Give Better. Visit givebetter.app slash DTG. Take a quick survey seven days away from the big drawing. You'll be entered to win two tickets to any NHL game of your choice, any date. This year, though, you get lower bowl tickets. It's a fantastic deal. Go to givebetter.com slash DTG. Quick survey, couple questions, and you get a chance to win two tickets anywhere. On top of that, you can just gamble socially responsible way. You lose the bet, 25% of all lost bets, that money goes to charity. Charity of your choice. So check it out. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Tell them we sent you. It's just, it's a no-brainer. Check it out. We love them. They love you guys. So do the right thing, everybody. All right. Dale Arnold, last interview. What did you think, Tim? Good, bad? It was good. Yeah, it was cool. Whatever. I mean, I've been watching him on TV for, gosh, as long as I can remember. So it was cool to talk with him. And you could see the difference between interviews with guys like him who are like professional storytellers, right? Just like the presence, the cadence, uh, the stories they have. It was really cool. A um, couple of standout moments for me. Obviously, the Matt Cook story did very well on social and everyone. I mean, we all knew about the fight. I don't think many people knew about the meeting. I Googled it after. Sean Thornton did talk about it in his book. But maybe not enough people, you know, across the country had read it or heard that story. So that was cool. But a couple of things that let's stay on that real okay. quick. Let's let's stay on the Matt Cook thing real yeah. quick before we move along. I know I wanted to get Matt Cook on the show. Uh, yeah. I think it would be a fun interview. Yeah. I think it would be relevant. You know, and he's he's an interesting character. I've never really ran into him. I've never talked to him, but I'm sure he would be, you know, excited to come on the show. Your response, Tim was so I've never seen a response like this. I texted Tim. I said, let's get Cook on the show. He goes, oh, you want that guy on the show? And he just started listing off reasons why he was. Then he sent me a tweet Cook sent two years ago, three years ago. He's like, you want this guy on the show? I was I was surprised that you have this much hatred for Matt Cook. It's 
I wouldn't even call it hatred. It's just like there's just I don't no respect for him. I don't want to give that guy a platform. Mm. There's a couple of guys like that. I think Rafi Torres is probably also on that list. I think a lot of guys I have no problems with hard nosed players that occasionally cross the line. And there are guys on our show that have crossed the line, but Matt Cook is not someone who I feel like is worthy of having on our show. So you put our show on that big of a pedestal that people aren't even allowed on it to give them that kind of platform. Interesting. I don't know. What do you want to talk to him about? Hey, what was your, what was your thinking here on this play? Oh wait, how about this one? Hey, what, what, were, what were your thoughts here yeah. on this one? Or just chat with them. Cause he was one of the most hated players. I think it's interesting. What was it like going into every game knowing that everybody hated you? Yeah. What did you think of going into Boston Gardens knowing you were going to be jumped and killed and everybody was just gunning for you? I think it would be interesting, but we won't do it. I respect your feelings. So let me ask you this, though. Not so do you it. obviously have been... We interviewed Curtis Gabriel. I didn't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> you didn't want to talk to him after we interviewed him, and you were like, oh, I wish we didn't do it. That's... No, it was before the fact, too, because I even hated the way he fought. Yeah. And he Whatever. Was... Well, so so yeah. the, the Matt Cook thing, right? I know you've had incidents where like, okay, I know that this happened last time or last season and I got to go fight their guy to address it. And they know it too. And usually this is, no one has to like have a meeting about it, like the way they did under the stands. Have you been part of anything like that? Like pregame premeditated discussions about what needs to happen in that game? Well, the Bru Bruins, Brian Miller incident with Luch. I knew that game going in, I was going to have to fight somebody. And so it, I, I, whoever lined up to, Next to me, first shift was going to get it, basically. You didn't, so that was premeditated. You weren't having, like, you haven't had meetings like this. No, no, no. There was no discussion saying, hey, Sean, we're going to fight tonight. But uh, it was just implied yeah. that that was going to happen. Like, he came up to me and he said, I'm going to, let's grab on quick. That's what he said. And I said, no, like, that's an advantage to you. I'm going to, I'm going to back up. I want to square off with you. So when he, <laughs> I think he was concussed going into the box. I know he was concussed. He yelled across to me. He's like, I thought we we're going to grab on right away. And I was like, that was your plan, buddy. Mine was to back off and get some space between us. But no, I've never really <clears throat> had that pre-planned thing. But maybe the Toronto thing, too. I knew I was going to get into a fight. But it, there was no conversations beforehand in the tunnel saying, hey, this is going to happen. That's rare. The fact that they even gave Matt Cook the option is rare. Like usually it would have been, we're going to jump you and we're going to keep jumping you and we're going to keep pounding you until you relent. But yeah, good on Cookie. Like, I think it says more about Matt Cook to step up and fight one of the toughest guys in the NHL when that guy's not a fighter. And he, he did okay. He took one on the beak and he stood in there. Most guys would have turtled. Good for him. That was a better fight than the fight we'll talk about in a few minutes between the two heavyweights of the NHL that are arguably the best. And it's just like, wah, wah, wah. <clears throat> Anyways, what else did uh, <clears throat> Dale Arnott talk about? Well, we had a couple people reach out being like, what is Dale talking about that he couldn't get in touch with you for the book? And we said the same thing after we were texting. Like, this, first of all, your DMs are open. So, you know, anyone can slide in and say hello to you. Yeah. And then half the guys in that book have your number or contact information. Half the guys in that book have probably been on the show. So it's crazy that that that, that didn't feel real. What do you think of that? Well, he's lying. <laughs> he's lying. I think he's just doing it to pander to mm -hmm. me. You're the one guy I really wanted in my book. I couldn't find you. Well, yeah, I'm the easiest guy to find. We have a podcast. I have multiple social channels. I have an email associated with them. You can 
everybody can get a hold of me if you really want to. And yeah, I've, I've, I'm friends with guys he's interviewed in the book who have my info. So it's just, it's, both of us rolled our eyes as soon as he said that. I'm like, yeah, you're so, so full of it, Dale Arnold. It's a great book, but I just, just tell the truth. You know what I mean? It was a Boston focused book and you wanted a couple other guys who maybe had big names. And so you grabbed onto them so they could maybe get you some more readers. Like I, I, I would respect that more than you just blowing smoke up my behind and li- lying. You're lying to me. And then he, then at the end, he goes out of his way to chirp the All Star game. That was. I'm like that was unnecessary. That was funny. I wish we had asked him more about that. What he didn't like about it. I mean, I don't. It's like who cares? Yeah. What's not to like? I, I, <laughs> I was shocked because even you, we talked about it after the show. I expected him to be like, at first I didn't like it, but you know, I grew to love it. He goes, nice. I didn't like it. Start to finish. <laughs> I like that honesty. That was fine. He could be honest about that. Yeah. Knock me down a couple pegs. I know, but it's it such it a good. funny. It's like, oh, one of the best sports stories ever. Yeah. When Ray Bork finally won the cup, I didn't like it because it wasn't with the Bruins. So I don't, I don't think that was a good moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when they took his seventy seven off, and yeah, he when he gave his number to Esposito, and they hung it in the rafters. That wasn't that was corny. I didn't like that one. It was funny. I it's I I take it with a grain of salt. Not everybody liked it, but it's just funny that he just came right (laughs) out with it. And then obviously he interviews Mike Milbury, the two guys who I know who didn't like it, and they're buddies. Anyways, you know what else is a great story? Is the NHL Global Series? Or no, it's not a great story because again, nobody knows about it. You get the box score. And you realize, oh, this team played at 9.30 in the morning. Why? Oh, because they're in Sweden. They're in Finland. There, there is an NHL global series happening. Oh, there's there's more than two teams over there? Oh, there's three teams over there? This is strange. Once again, an agent provocateur, Alan Walsh, called out Gary Bettman this time saying, you do a terrible job of marketing these games. These are supposed to be high-profile games. You fly these teams over you spend a ton of money you invest in the arenas and all this stuff but you don't let the fans watch the canadian game between the leafs and the senators was completely blacked out in canada you could not watch it unless you were in ottawa sorry there was four teams over there detroit was over there too so it was almost like a mini tournament no one really watched it there was no publicity correct me if i'm wrong tim but i i really you hear about it, but there's no big hoopla. Like when the NFL goes over and plays in Germany, they market it. It's very well marketed. Everybody knows about it. It's a big deal. It's Has it become just blasé, like par for the course? It's like, okay, teams are going over whatever. It's just another game on the schedule now. It's lost. It's just sparkle. Or is the NHL just dropping the ball? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I'm sure it's exciting for the fans in Europe to see these games, see these players for the first time for many of them. And for many people like Willie Nylander, he gets to see play in front of his family, the hometown rink, the home crowd. His grandmother saw him play in the NHL for the first time. So, like, that sort of stuff is cool. So, especially for the European fans, the European players, who I'm sure it's easy to get their their friends and family there, even if they're not from Sweden. I'm sure that's just, that's just easy travel and logistics and all that. So, I'm sure that's great. Um, and I bet it was, I'm assuming it was, I'm not in these markets, but for the Senators fans, Minnesota fans, Detroit fans, like I'm sure those games are marketed to some degree to those fan bases and in those cities, right? Um, but yeah, we had yeah. just joked the other day on our last week's show about all these overseas games that we're supposed to care about that no one ever knows about. And they're two days later, they were in Sweden and I had no idea. And like I said, I'm a daily checker of like 
NHL.com, Daily Faceoff, all these news sites, Twitter. And I didn't, I had no idea until the games were happening. It was crazy. Actually, yeah, you know it's just unfortunate. Out? Oh, go ahead. Setting my fantasy hockey lineup, realizing some of these games were at like nine, nine in the morning, like you said. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Of course, they're in Europe. I found out from Yahoo. That's crazy. What do you mean, set in your lineup? I think we do that every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not doing good. Moving on. Oh, really? Are you in last not still? Second to last. The problem with, well, am I in last? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. You know. What What's the answer? Um, friend of the show. I don't think so. I don't know. Oh, that's right. But yeah, anyways, four teams go over, and somebody pointed this out an interesting tidbit of the schedule. So the the great thing about going overseas is you get to play in front of new fans and new ice. It's all exciting. You go, they treat you right. It's a, it's a fun experience. And they did it right schedule-wise because they didn't jam two games into three nights and you're over and you're back. They gave these guys a week over in Sweden. It was fun. It was probably just a change of pace for them. What people actually noticed was the Toronto Maple Leafs got a little bit of a favorable schedule going over to to Sweden. The Senators had two home games in Sweden. The Wild had two games, but it was back-to-back. The Wings get two games. They're back-to-back. The Leafs, both of their games are, in quotes, away games, and they're not back-to-back. Both of their games, the team they were playing was on the second night of a back-to-back, so they're getting a team who's tired, who just played the night before. Advantage Toronto? Very much so. Do you think, looking at the way the schedule was worked out, that they, the schedule makers, whoever they may be, wanted to skew the advantage to Toronto because they knew they have a lot of European players? Willie Nylander's coming in. It's a nice story if he plays well. Hometown kid. They're giving them a little bit more of an advantage. They want Toronto to do well overseas. They don't really care if the Wild or the Minnesota or the Detroit Red Wings or the Ottawa Senators make an impact. Is that a thing, Tim? Like, I know why they're the away team. I get that. Because they want Toronto to have as many home games as possible. Because that's one of the biggest money makers for the NHL. They're not dumb when it comes to money. They're going to give Toronto home games overseas when they lose a ticket and they lose the gate and they lose all the congestions. Not a chance. So they make Ottawa's home games. Because Ottawa doesn't make a dime at home. They just hemorrhage money left and right. Nobody shows up at their games. I get that side of it. It's the back-to-back that irks me. If you're there for a week, why why do the Wild and the Wings have to play back-to-back? And why does Toronto get the benefit of getting those two teams after a back-to-back? You tell me, Tim. I, I don't know. I saw this too, and I thought for sure there was some kind of, this was planned. <laughs> and like you said, like there, I mean, schedule-making is such a complex thing because you're balancing all these different teams, all these arenas, all these other things that are happening at these arenas. I'm sure they've got a whole like algorithm and system for it at this point, but like it is complicated, especially when you're overseas. And so I know this is not an easy thing to plan and I'm not trying to say I could do it better, but the two home games, away games things, that sort of makes sense to me too, even though it's like, sure, Toronto's getting an advantage. Ottawa's losing two chances to play in front of its home fans at its home rink with the players sleep in their own beds, like that affects their play. Um, But to some degree, there's only so much you can do there. You have to kind of suck it up and maybe playing in Europe is worth that to them. But the back-to-back thing, I think, for sure, is like fishy, right? Like, why couldn't they spread those games out more? And, and both of their games were away games on their schedule where they never played back-to-back, and both other teams had just played the night before. That's a little fishy. And then, of course, Nylander scores the overtime goal to win the win that little mini tournament, the fourth game. And 
um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm pumped for him. Like I said, his family's in the crowd. His dad, Michael, who played in the NHL, is there. His sister's there. His mom's there. Um, and he's been on an incredible tear to start the season. He has a point in all 17 games played um, to start the year with 27 total. The record is Gretzky with 51, which no one will ever touch. But like after that was a big drop off for the, the next record to like 18, 19, 21. Like he's pretty close. So he could what he's doing is in rarefied air and he's working. We're going to have to spend some time in the next week or two talking about what his number is going to be because he's playing himself into an incredible contract right now. Well, Tim, if it wasn't for the Vancouver Canucks and their trio of just superstars, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller, Nylander would be leading the league. He's one point behind those. Isn't it wild that those three guys from Vancouver are top three in the league? That's a whole other ball of wax that we could dig into another day. But Willie Nylander has quietly, very quietly in my eyes, become the best player on Toronto. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's nice to have depth. You have Marner, you have Matthews, you have Tavares. Where this becomes a little sticky is this guy's in his contract year. This guy wants to stay in Toronto. He likes the area. He likes the way they've been playing. He likes his buddies. It's a, it's a nice team to play on. What's his number? Because I know they've been talking, and, and Pierre Lebrun mentioned this this week. They made a concerted effort, these two sides, Nylander and his agent and Toronto Maple Leafs. They said, okay, we will negotiate all season. We will keep it out of the press. They've done a good job at this, and they've been negotiating all year long. The further this thing drags out, Tim, his number is just going up, up, up. When you look at this team, Willie Nylander leads the team in points. He's second in goals behind Austin Matthews. Now, Austin buried a couple on this recent trip, but he was tied with him for the longest time. Is he all of a sudden playing himself out of Toronto this season? Because he's going to want to be paid like Matthews and Martin. He's not going to want to come in to the rink every single day and know he's the best player. That's the frustrating part. You see these guys every single day. Matthews makes 11.6. Marner makes 10.9. Tavares makes 11. You think Nylander is going to want to come to the rink making 8? No. He wants to be paid 11. He wants to be paid right with his buddies. Is that too much? Can you invest? Well, there's a, a lot of questions here. Can you pay... Four guys, $10 million and be a successful team, Tim, in your eyes. No. Yes or it's no? It's more than that, though. It's going to be more than 10. Because you, you add, like, Matthews, and it's, it's going to be, especially if you add um, Riley to that, it's going to be five guys at, like, 50-something million. Like, you can't. Yeah, because Matthews is 13 and, a, 13 and a quarter next year. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, you can't. You can't. But, but, but you can't not sign them either. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's a winless situation. I mean, it's a good problem to have. You have a lot of good players. Like you're the envy of a lot of teams in the league. So I don't want to feel bad for them. But this is not going to be an easy thing to, to play out here. So do you think Brad's revealing another question? Did he drop the ball by not signing this guy earlier this season or in the offseason when he had a chance? Because he had a good year last year, Nylander, 87 points in 82 games. But when you look at that, you go, okay, that's, that's a $7, $8 million player. Do you think he blew it by not signing him and maybe waiting and seeing how the season was going to play out, how the Toronto Maple Leafs would respond to all the changes, this and that, revealing coming into a new situation, doesn't want to just give a guy a boatload of money and be locked into these three, four guys long-term with O'Reilly in the mix. Not O'Reilly, Riley. 
I don't know. Does did he blow it by not signing him this this offseason? No, I mean maybe in, in in retrospect, like oh, we should have signed him, but at the time, yeah. no. Because take us back to like July. We talked about this. It was okay. You either sign him or you trade him earlier on to get something for him. Because if you don't sign him and mm-hmm. you don't win the cup and he walks away for nothing and you have a chance of winning the cup if he's there. So I, it was one or the other. And obviously you want to increase your chances of being competitive and going on a run. So you're a better team with Nylander. The, the downside of that is that he's playing himself out of, out of your pocket, probably like you're not going to be able to afford him, but I think you had to, you had to keep him and see what this team could do. And, and they look pretty good and he looks good, especially. So um, no, I don't think it's his fault, but I do think it's his problem now. Gosh, they if they, if they do sign him to ten million or eleven, they will be locking up. You you mentioned it, fifty three to fifty four million dollars between five guys. That's unbelievable. And how do you let him walk? That's the thing. This is a tricky situation. Trevealing has kind of painted himself into this corner. How do you let him walk? You can't trade him at the deadline. You want to win a Stanley Cup. So you're looking at a team that has a lot of high-end UFAs. You bring in Tyler Bertuzzi. You bring in Max Domi. You bring. You have Willie Nylander. You trade for Klingberg. You get TJ Brody. These are high-end Tim players. You risk losing every one of those guys for absolutely nothing. And I know you've, I've asked you this before, but... It's it's getting close to Thanksgiving. It's getting close to the trade deadline. Like we're a few months away from that. What would you do? What would you do to coin Keanu Reeves or not Keanu Reeves, the other guy? What do you do, Keanu? Do you make some trades or do you just ride this out and you end up being the Columbus Blue Jackets of 10 years ago who lose Panarin, who lose Bobrovsky? You don't get anything back from him and it sets your team back years because you didn't get those draft capital for those players. Are you are you willing to risk that at a team that's won one playoff round in the last seven years? One. Then you got absolutely waxed by the eighth-seeded eighth team the next series. Be honest, Tim. What, what would you do right now? Tell me. Um, Quickly. Are you asking whether I add at the deadline? What do you do, Tim, at yeah, the deadline you with your in. team? You go all in. You have to. You have you have a contract year player playing his best. You have Austin Matthews on a bridge contract. You have John Tavares is not getting younger. I mean, this is, they're still an elite team. Their window is nowhere close to closing, but it's also like you got to prove something. And, and I know they won one playoff round in the last seven years, but that was last year. That's a little bit of momentum you can build on. So I feel like you have to go all in. Um, and and it's at the end of the day, it's it's trivialing, tree living, whatever. It's tree living, not trivialing. Tree living's responsibility. But it's also not a situation that he created. So no one's going to blame him for like their cap situation. The Nylander thing oh, is very finicky. Well, they, they might from a you know emotional place, but he didn't create this mess. Um, if you even want to call it a mess, so I, I yeah, you have to go all in. Don't you think? Oh, I disagree. I I do think that would if everything was just for this year. This guy's got a. You've got to think about the future, right? You have to kind of plan for next year and the year after and subsequent years in an ideal world, Tim. But he's everything is roses and rainbows and butterflies. This is what I do if I'm Brad Trilevang. Tri- <laughs> I re sign Nylander. 
I sign him to a seven-year, $11 million contract. Lock him in. I love Willie Nylander. I think out of all four of those guys, if I'm keeping two, I'm keeping Matthews and Nylander. I think they're great hockey players. Ah, Marner's really good, too. Nylander shows After up I get that Nylander deal, he does. He really does. But I think Marner is really good as well. Maybe I keep Marner and Nylander, but you got to have a trigger. Anyways, after I re-sign Nylander, I package a first-rounder, and I trade John Tavares for help this year. So you package Tavares in a first, and you get rid of him. That's what I'm doing. Maybe it makes your team worse a little bit this year, but it gives you the flexibility for next year to make another run. Eh, maybe that's crazy, but I but I think that's that's what I would do. Maybe not a first. Maybe just get rid of Tavares and eat some cap. I don't know how that would work, but you do your best to get rid of your captain. What if it, it takes also getting rid of like a Nick Robertson or or Matthew Nyes, one of those young players that they have? No, no, you, you cannot give up Matthew Nyes. I would give up Robertson. I'm not giving up Nyes. I think he is the future of this team. Robertson. Uh, I would be okay giving him up. I, I would give up a Klingberg. I would give up a Robertson and a Tavares. Yeah, I'm not and giving up nice. I think that kid's going to be good. you're not expecting a ton in return just to get rid of the, the Tavares contract you're talking about, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. And that that's just the nature of the beast because you have to somehow plan for next year. Willie Nylander's 27 years old. He keeps getting better. I'm not giving that guy up. Those guys are rare to come by in the NHL. Don't you think? He's a, he's, yeah. He produces all over the lineup, whether he's in the middle, whether he's on the wing, he does in the playoffs, and he doesn't seem to complain. You know what I mean? Other guys in his situation might be a little bit of a wet blanket. And I only make 6.9 and nobody gives me any accolades and this and that. It's all Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Riley. And you bring in Ryan Reeves. Ryan's all over the press. I never You never hear a peep out of Willie Nylander. I like that. So I want that guy on my team. So I, I think I do whatever it takes to keep him around. I don't know. That, that's just in an ideal world. I don't think it happens. I think the scenario that you painted is more likely to happen. And they go and they play. And then maybe they try to make it work on the offseason. They're getting Bertuzzi off the books. They're getting Domi off the books. Maybe you move on from Klingberg. Maybe you, TJ Brody doesn't come back. There will be some money available for this guy. But if they do sign him and they have Tavares and Martin and Matthews and Riley all on the roster next year, oof, the depth there is going to be it's going to be tricky. You're going to you're going to look like the Edmonton others. So tell me a little bit about this fight that you were talking about earlier because we were oh. we're, we're big on hockey fights, but something happened yesterday that you just, isn't sitting right with you. What's what's going on? Well, and this is hard because both of these guys I know are gamers and and they do throw down. So when I saw this come across the ticker, I didn't watch the Philly Columbus game surprisingly. Who did? Nobody did. But Mathieu, Olivier, and Nick Deloria, a couple good French boys, squared off. First period, 1 1 or 1 1 or 1 0 game. I was excited. I started salivating. I was like, this is going to be a good fight. We've seen Olivier fight Lucic, we've seen Delorier fight McDermott. Lots of tough guys, and they square off, and they just have a good old-fashioned punch-in-the-face contest. Not this time. It was the epitome of everything I hate in a fight and why the new style of fighting is useless. It doesn't do anything, and it's completely boring for... Well, that's the thing. For a casual fan, this is fantastic. 
because they don't know. And you watch this fight, and it's all show. Nothing lands. But even the announcer, I wanted to strangle him. I was like, what are you calling this? He's like, ah, they're going toe-to-toe, back and forth. It's Haymaker. Hey, nothing. It looks busy, though. All of our listeners, it looks busy. All of our listeners, go watch this fight and tell me, tell me if any punches land. Tell me. I don't think one punch lands, which is, which is just, it's embarrassing. These are two tough guys, top five in the league, both of them, arguably. It's a useless fight. Nothing at all happened, and it, t- it ticked me off. You guys are supposed to, and I know fighting was a thing, but you're supposed to build the popularity of fighting. You're supposed to kind of hold the candle for us fighters, and you go out and you do this. It's a punch. The other guy looks away, and then I punch, and the other guy looks away. It was almost coordinated, like a, like an action movie. You know what I mean? You th- I'll throw a punch, and then you turn your head at the same time, so it looks like I'm hitting you, but I'm not. Really, it, it was unsettling. And I, I, I challenge all my listeners as well, because I know people like to debunk me and come after me. Try to find a fight where I've done that. I don't think one exists. I used to stand in there. I had long arms, so I, I had an advantage. Nick Deloria's got the longest arms I've ever seen. He doesn't have to turn his head like that. Stand in there. Take one on the beak. Give one. Drives me nuts. And those guys are tough guys, too. They don't usually do this. That's why I was so let down. I'm talking about it now. It's just it's like, come on, you guys. And everyone's like, the fight of the century. And then they then they agreed to end the fight by tapping on the helmet, which I didn't enjoy either. I'm like, what it why? Your arm tired? Go. The only time I stopped the fight like that, it actually happened a few times. The other guy was hurt, and I didn't want to keep punching him in the face. Or the ref was yelling at me to stop because there was an equipment malfunction, the Fraser McLaren thing. McLaren and the ref were both yelling, Scotty, stop, stop, stop. And McLaren's like, stop, stop, stop. And so I stopped. Never once did I stop mid-fight when no one was yelling at me to stop and tapped on the helmet and say, that was really fun. All right. I'll see you You're later. still having dinner later? <sighs> yeah, it's so... And they probably did because they're, they're probably buddies from France or French or Quebec. Buddies <laughs> <laughs> from so, France. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, Tim. What else? Tim's battery's dying on his computer and he's panicking right I'm now. not panicking. So we got to move it on a quick but it is my fault. What, yeah. what percentage are we yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Um, I packed. I didn't bring my battery and uh, charger on my trip. <laughs> So our quick hits are brought to you by DoorDash Canada. When you need quick delivery, use DoorDash. Use promo code NATION25, all caps, for 25% off your first order and free delivery. Available only in Canada, possibly coming to the States. Possibly. Never. Uh, interesting <laughs> that here in Vegas. I'm joking. I hope it does. Vegas is 2-4-1 and one in their last seven. A little bit of a skid here. They're still second in the league, but they've played 19 games, and the team ahead of them is Boston has played only 16. So they've got... Three more games here. So their standings still look pretty good, but a little bit of a slide. So a little concerning there, but I think they'll be fine. But just something to keep an eye on if you're kind of checking up on stuff. Another thing here, the Canucks, you mentioned it already. They're three-point players in a three-way tie for point leaders in the entire league. One of them is a defenseman, Quinn Hughes. One of my one of my early um, bold predictions was that a defenseman not named Carlson would get 100 points. So far, it's looking pretty good. And then you got uh, Pedersen in front of the show, JT Miller. Just crazy what's happening in Vancouver right now. Um, someone was trying to convince me that that Miller is has a lot of like secondary points, secondary assists, and that, and that his numbers aren't actually that good. Uh, I think he's he's been <laughs> unreal. He's been absolutely fantastic. I'm not worried about. What is what a what a weird thing to say. Yeah. I mean, a lot of second second assists. I'm like, okay, he's so good to assist. Yeah, he's he's a playmaker. That's funny. Um, 
But what's really, really interesting here is that Patrick Laine <laughs> was healthy scratched last night. We talked last week about Gaudreau um, getting benched, Laine not getting minutes. They bumped them down to like the third line to play with uh, another kid. I forget his name. To try to just spark something. It wasn't happening. So Laine was scratched last night. And the coach had something interesting to say. He said, quote, He's not happy about the decision. Don't get me wrong. But right now, I think Patty needs to take a deep breath, go back to the working lab, and get his touches back, get his shot back, get his confidence back, so we can be number 29, Patrick Laine. We all know he can be. And then he said something else, too, about his game just wasn't right and no one's bigger than the team. So I think Patrick Laine didn't take the news well. I think it's a great move by the coach. I think it's a great statement by the coach. It is crazy. He's so good. He can be so good. And we've seen highlights on, you know, where he just goes end to end. And it's like, where did that come from? He looks like, he looks like Burray out there. And all of a sudden, he doesn't score for 20 games at a time. I don't know. What's going on with this kid? He's not even a kid Six, five, He's been in two, the league for a decade. 220. No, he's not a kid. He's 25. I mean, he's been around. He's been in the league now for seven years. This is... Uh... I don't know. He's. I don't know what the working lab is. <laughs> I don't know how all of a sudden you get one day off and you can change everything about your game. I don't know. Line is, he, he is what he is. He's a point shooter. You know, you, you put him in a spot and he, he's going to shoot. That's it. He's not going to play defense. He's not going to hit anybody. He's not going to show you any effort unless it's to score goals. That's okay. That's who he is. You're not going to change him. He makes $9 million. Do you think he's going to actually change his game all of a sudden because the coach says to go to the working lab? Well, no. he's working his way under no. the list of the worst contracts in the league because he's got two more after this season. I think he's 8.5. I don't have it in front of me, but um, yeah, yeah, not good. Not good. Tim, this team sucks, okay? like this, <laughs> Let's just call it like it is. And if he can't make this lineup, hey, I don't know. It, it's it's Patrick Laine's issue. This guy is just not <laughs> he's he, not a hard worker. Apparently, he's six five. When I saw that, I thought he was like six three. He's six five. He's a mountain of a man. He's got a bullet for a shot. Some people want to play hockey. Some people want to score goals. Patrick Laine wants to score goals. That's all it yeah. is. He ain't, he ain't hustling back in the D zone. He ain't blocking shots, but he's gonna score you some goals. And you need that type of player. So I don't know why the coach is trying to like force a circle into a square hole. How does that saying go? I butcher that every time. Yeah. Sir, uh... Trying to make him something he's not. Just just embrace what you have. You have an elite goal scorer. Yeah. Just put him up. Put him on the point in the power or on the half wall there, right on the top of the circle and let him bombs away. Do the lacrosse style when he's coming out of his offensive zone. Just change right away. You got to embrace who he is. I don't know. I don't think like John Tortorella couldn't get this guy to play the right way. Right. And he, he gets everything out of anybody. And if Torts can't do it, why? Like what makes you think you are? I'm going to healthy scratch him. That's going to make it work. You think the message is going to get through to him? He's line is going to be pissed. He's like, you're healthy scratching me. Oh, this is going to go over. Great. No, it's, it's going to be terrible. It's this. You got to read the room. You got to know your players. So I think this is a bad decision by the coach. Wow. You, what do you think? I'm surprised. You got a guy who's not producing. He's in his own head. Don't you think the coach should be like, hey, if you're not going to work, if you're not going to do what we need you to do, then you're, you're out. I thought, I thought you'd be behind that. I think you have to know your team. And you have, if Patrick Lyonnais is in his second year, he's Lafreniere. Yeah, I get this. Like, I get it. You, you, you 
test him. You say, okay, what can we do for you? Let's, let's try to push him, push beyond your comfort zone. We know Line's comfort zone. This isn't going to change who he is. He's been in the league seven years now. He's established his playing type. He's a scorer. He's not a hard worker. He, he likes to get offense. So now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll all of a sudden turn into a Selkie winner and he's going to be a complete player. I don't think so. On a Columbus Blue Jackets team that is just atrocious. Like they're a bad hockey team. They, they really, really have no chance of winning any hockey games, Tim, anytime soon. We'll see how it ends up, though. Yeah. Good for the coach. I wouldn't buy in Columbus if I'm the coach. Maybe just rent. You're, gonna, you're not going to be there long. I, mean, I don't even know who the coach is. You're going to get fired. Yeah, I don't either. That's all, Tim. <laughs> are you okay i don't, I don't know <laughs> i am i keep you checking sound like my you're i'm like oh god i hope this doesn't turn off in the middle of the episode john any uh thanksgiving plans oh because you got it before we wrap up i'm going to chicago nice doing a couple games going to chicago we're gonna get a nice to-go meal tim you're gonna rip on me but it's it's uh cracker barrel is it i think it is kids love that place i love it too so we're gonna get it to go what about you um i'd be in boston with the family no no i'm going home today so um i'm gonna go probably out to Asheville for a couple days just i did that last year too just i don't know what i'll do for dinner but take the dog out and just uh get out of town go over the mountains you know you might be a serial murderer i'm gonna go to the country for a little bit yeah don't call don't me. call me don't follow me i'll be back in a, i'll be back in a few days tim you're scaring me yeah we're gonna have to talk Whoa. all right everybody have a good thanksgiving if we don't talk to you if we do i'll see you wednesday then cheers everybody thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode 